this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. listeners, this is Amy Polly, the podcast producer at Learning Teams Inc. Brent Sutton, the host of the podcast series is away at the moment, on a tour of Australia with Brent Robinson, so I have taken over hosting duties for the 72nd episode of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. On today's show, we welcome back Diane Chadwick-Jones, who is both a seasoned professional, claims to have retired, and is a deep thinker in the new view of safety, and in particular, how to help leaders to better understand and be curious about the new view. Diane and Brent Sutton have a conversation about learning from the past and present. So please sit back and enjoy this episode of the pod. And thank you for being part of the new view journey with learning teams. Many of the things that happen, many of the events that happen, um, were easy to predict when we look in hindsight, mm-hmm. but at the time, the combination of things that happened, the feedback loops mm-hmm. that, that happened were difficult to see. So I agree that we are, that risk management is vital, but there's more. Mm-hmm. It feels that there's more to this conversation along the lines of, um, how the organization um, prioritizes safety, um, what resources it, it, it puts into work, but it, but it also feels about something to do with quality. It feels to me that it's about the presence of the quality of work, the, 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 of, of how the, the, the quality of the procedures the, the quality of the equipment, the quality of the training of people, because those are all the things that then give us um, effectiveness. They give us productivity, but they also they also give us safety. So I wonder whether it's a it, it, that it has to be a combination of risk management as well as these um, or, organizational uh, focuses. Oh, okay, absolutely. Because even in risk management, there's a difference between what I would term, you know, operational risk and tactical risk, strategic and enterprise. Because in many cases, um, we don't think about the effect of one type of risk on another type of risk. And, and you know, we know there's a link between safety, quality and environmental. I mean, if, if people take pride in their work, then you can see that, you know, uh, as a as a group, you, you'd see that same pride being beneficial in other parts of the business at the same time, because that's an expression of how we do things around here. I, th- I think part of the challenge is that no matter how good we make it, people are always, are always having to make do with what they've got. Very much so. So people are, are making do with what they've got, and then we're we're but what we're actually saying is that if you don't have sufficient 
if you know if you're feeling uncomfortable then we're wanting we we we're actually asking people to speak up about those issues so that we do get that dy- dynamic that mm-hmm. at the time risk management so it makes me think about a construction site that i was on um a while back where people were lifting beams and putting them into uh into slots and every so often they wouldn't be able to put it it get stuck mm-hmm. and so they so it, and they said to me well you know the, we're, we're thinking you know we've got a choice we could either jam it in but it might fall off or or we bring it down and we work out why it's not fitting into the slot but in that in set work setup which is a subcontractor to a contractor to a company they knew that they would be given the space and support to bring that beam down mm-hmm. and to not jam it in and and so so that in itself that you know you can call that a dynamic risk assessment i know that that's over um, actually uh, calling it something much more than it is but but those um ways of working and how the supervisors have such an influence on that does make a huge difference to safety and we could, we see time and time again in annual survey results of companies that there's this link between safety performance as measured by the absence of in- incidents so that's not necessarily a good thing but let, let's just go with that definition for the moment and the levels of trust and speak up and care and my manager listens to me so and why is that because it because the the um the ability to speak up about risk the ability to talk about the difference between work as imagined versus work as done is more present in those sites where there is the the trust that people know that they're not going to be asked just as you said a minute ago they're not they know they're not going to be asked to struggle on oh no just could you make the best of it you know we don't have the time to bring those um those girders down and check out why the slot it's no they're not fitting in the slot just do the best you can and and so it's and of course that inevitably leads to something to to a girder falling and and uh, and having a bad day so there's something about the how, how the how leaders understand why things don't go to plan that that then makes a change to the understanding of risk of an organization at the at the sharp end mm-hmm. Uh, look, I think it's a, it's a it's a real challenge, um, and I I'm sort of constantly in that in that that sort of battle where I think uh, knowing helps us to see more. So having knowledge of us allows us to see more of something, or to be able to better understand it because it is it is always going to be complex by its nature. I was working with a group recently um, uh, providing uh, care and mental health facilities. Yeah. And, you know, the board are saying, you know, we, we want to stop aggression. We want to stop assaults. 
And it's a bit like they're saying that it's fixable. So I was having this interesting conversation that that these types of risks you're dealing with, these types of social social risks, which are you know very complex by their nature, um, maybe the answer here is we shouldn't be trying to fix them. Maybe we should be trying to manage them better by better understanding them. Well, absolutely. I mean, and you know, we've we've all been in these situations where um, issues have escalated, but understanding the underlying and issues and the history behind those which are often structural issues to do with well what i've seen is unclear accountabilities for example causes it can cause a huge amount of friction within a team um competing um goals that so a uh, many of the what can be called interpersonal issues in a team or at a workplace often come from lack of clarity about accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and so, what you're talking about is that you've been asked to deal with the symptoms of what's going on in that workplace rather than looking at the many contributing factors that have led to what is happening in that workplace. And in this case, it's quite fascinating because we're, we're dealing with a, a cultural issue as well, where we're dealing um, with people that have very strong beliefs. So part of that process we're looking at is also the effect on what we call um, spiritual risk because of these cultural beliefs that exist at the same time. Um, and, and in safety, that's quite foreign because normally we're dealing with, you know, you know, um, sort of, you know, uh, manual handling risks, um, physical risks, you know, biological risks. And then suddenly someone chucks in spiritual risk. And, and immediately we, we move into how, how do we, what, is, what does that look like? Because we, we want to suddenly put it into a box. We yeah. want to frame it up. I have to say, I've always found the Hofstede indices very helpful um, because I've worked all over the world and always trying to interpret um, the how speak up and listening and hierarchy um, and the the, the accepted norms of communication, the Hofstede indices and looking up them, looking them by country and understanding um, why it is that, you know, that, that there's so many differences between um, different um, cultures really helps. And of course, when you have a, a, a clash between, for example, one, one culture that has a, a very high level of hierarchy, let's just say, for the sake of argument, India, um, and then one that has a, a very flat level, which let's just pretend it's the UK, then you have to um, understand that that comes into the way that we manage our teams. For example, on, on many vessels, many ships do have the multicultural crews mm-hmm. that have 
you know, deep, you know, in many cases, opposite um, uh, cultural norms, which means that uh, or the, the way that they speak up um, or, or, and uh, raise concerns, which means that then um, it, people find it quite difficult to understand each other because they're behaving in, in a way that makes sense it from from how they've been brought up, but yet uh, don't quite understand why nobody else is is behaving that way. So very interesting. Yeah, and look, and, and all of us look at risk through our own lens. But I, I ask this question sometimes, when do we find the opportunity as, as a group of people to share our view through our own lens and the opportunity for us to see risk through the lens of others. Because that, that's where knowledge then comes from. So, so, so when I was talking, working with this board, I was really wanting them to look at that risk through the lens of other people, not, not through their own lens. Because they kept saying, well, well, this group are doing well, because they would point out to me and say, well, well, well this location aren't having these issues this location is. And I'm not convinced that that other issue wasn't having issues. And I said, well, what we should do is we should be curious and we should find out why is that group so successful? And would you be surprised to find out that um, it wasn't the fact that they were doing things successful every day. It's just they had um, they had different ways of managing with the variability that was being placed towards them. But in actual fact, they were facing aggression every single day. Right. So they were, and they were in a situation where they had the capacity mm -hmm. to manage that aggression through, um, for example, supporting each other or. Uh, and and speaking about it more openly, well, which didn't exist in their system, which wasn't in their system. Hmm. So it because I I find this the whole idea about learning from success. A lot of people think it's a mystery, because they think, well, oh, so learning from success. Why? What does that really mean? Rather than learning from what goes wrong, and and I. I've, I've got two interpretations of it, and I'd like to check those with you. So one interpretation of it is that the same um, issues are happening in the work, um, but there's lots and lots of good catches, okay? And so it appears successful. And that's one definition of it. And another definition of it is that that part of the business is actually doing things slightly differently. And I have come across this. So, so for example, um, do a, a survey on the ability of people to follow procedures. Okay, this is just trying to understand about work is imagined versus work is done. So, and what, and do it across many different sites. And I, I have actually done this and find that there are some sites that are more able to do do the work or, or the, the the task actually um, maps matches to the procedure more 
than um, than in other sites, where in other sites they're doing a lot of workarounds. And at the same time, I asked a whole bunch of other questions about just trying to work out what what could it be. And in this particular case, the sites that were were more able to follow procedures had a quicker turnaround time on the ability to update the procedures. Mm -hmm. So when changes happened, there was a, for whatever optimizations there were, um, or any changes in the equipment or in changes in, in the process, that those sites actually more quickly um, had, had a process, a, a procedure writing process in place that could would, would turn it around more quickly. So I, so I think about that when I talk about, when I think about learning from success, because there are some places where, where they're, they've got more effective processes. So I, th I thought that was interesting. So there's, one is about um, that success is just an illusion. Uh, one perspective is a success is just an illusion. And the other perspective is that actually in some places there's better quality um, of processes that allows more success. And, I, and I'm wondering um, when you, you do all your, your learning from normal work, which ones, which, which do you see more of? I'm quite interested. Oh, uh, mm. Look, it's really interesting because in the example I was referring to, what became very clear, the difference was how the organization responded. Yeah. So the group that was successful is because they felt they were supported mm. in their decision making and 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 it was used as a learning opportunity. With the other group, it was seen as being a reporting activity for which they never got involved in. And they were simply an outcome of a corrective action. Now that's right. no so, reflection of the system. That's yeah. a reflection of how the leaders viewed that relationship and how they and how they um, I think in this case their decision making on how they wanted to respond. And then to back that up, we also looked at some anecdotal evidence, and I say it's anecdotal, about churn rates. Because of the same thing, the one yeah. that was successful had a very low churn of people, and the other groups had a high churn of people. Now, there is no one root cause. There's nothing to say that. No. But if we go back to it, if you have an environment where there was a, where there's genuine empathy, yes, there's genuine caring, all those things, all those things you know can flow. So we've got one group where the retention rate is much higher than the norm would be. So, so part of our conversation and the way that we're using learning teams was to try and understand what was that special source? What was that magic? What, what was that thing that made them feel that way? And, and it can... was respect and care. Respect and care and empathy and... Being listened to, interesting. Being listened to, which goes back to the statistical studies that I'm talking about, where the places which have a higher level of of safety and also a high level of productivity. And I actually published a paper on this in Safety Science, which we can put on the um, we can attach 
um, in relation to this podcast that that we actually see consistently across um, 50 sites that those those places where people feel listened to and feel cared for that there is um, a, a statistically significant difference. But when we went and asked why, it's because it was that people had more ability to talk about the issues and to have those issues resolved. And it seems that it's similar in your in in your example. Yes, because it was interesting. The leader wasn't trying to fix things. Mm, interesting. They were trying to make it better understandable. Yeah. Because the complex nature of risk they're dealing with, that there is no such thing as a perfect plan. Absolutely. There is no such thing as a perfect plan. And so there was, so people were, be, were given more space mm -hmm. to reflect yeah and and you know what was really interesting is that these people um the other thing that we found is that some groups were normalizing aggression whereas the other groups that were more focused around that um reflection feedback um wouldn't normalize it in other words, they felt that they were empowered to um, not accept that it has to happen to them. They felt more empowered that they could build these types of skills to try and see some of these weak signals earlier and then look to see as a group or as a team how they performed to try and create a more successful outcome for the person they're caring for because you, you we talked about goal goal conflicts earlier yeah yeah they're in that business because they're trying to care for a person and this person has you know psychological needs so when that person is behaving in a way that you and i would not find acceptable they're not seeing it as that they're just seeing it as this, the person is how they are um, expressing themselves. So, so because they've become so focused on that part of it, they don't see the risks to themselves anymore. They're only seeing the risk to the individual they're caring for. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. We would love to hear your learnings or other topics you would like us to explore about learning teams. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and give us your feedback. Become part of the community of practice with learning teams. Go to www.learningteamscommunity.com. Support the authors of the practice of learning teams. Purchase the book from Amazon.com or go to www.learningteamsbook.com for an inside look and other free book resources from the authors.
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.